0: Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The apostle writes Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. I'm sure I'm no different than you. There are probably many things in life that you have imagined, and they turn out differently than you imagined or anticipated. Okay. This is the definition of sporting events. Um, but maybe as a younger version of yourself, as you thought about what your life would be or would be like, um, you imagined that it probably turned out differently than what you once imagined. For, as an example, uh, younger Travis once imagined and even prayed that he would be surrounded by beautiful women. And uh, God answered that prayer. I have a beautiful wife, three beautiful daughters, but younger Travis had a different version of what that was going to look like, not what I imagined. Um, When I first uh, coached one of my children, my oldest, uh, Reese, when she was six, first started uh, coaching one of her soccer teams, I um, I imagined what that would be like. That I would stand on the sideline, I would yell out very helpful instructions, and my six-year-olds would execute these plays, and we would win all our games. We didn't win one game, and I had to run up and down the field all day. Not what I imagined. And as I became a father for the first time, I also imagined what fatherhood would be like. And fatherhood was going to be these Kodak moments, or we would say Instagram moments now, these beautiful moments of just love and cherishing uh, the, the little ones in my life. And the first time that I ever took Reese, my oldest, out of the house by myself, she threw up all over the car. Not what I imagined we have anchored ourselves into the book of Colossians, this little letter that the Apostle writes to the church in Colossae. And this letter has one very specific purpose, which I want to reread again this morning. But I think what Paul writes to this church and the reason he writes to this church is because in a lot of ways we can use this language, what they imagined life in Christ would be like is not turning out. The way they thought it would. Now, wherever you are in your spiritual journey and wherever you are in your relationship with Christ, to some form, some way, to some degree, I'm guessing, the way you imagined your life in Christ, maybe not exactly how you imagined it. And so Paul writes to this church because he wants them to know the way they imagine things is different, yes but also not sufficient. And so in Colossians chapter 2, picking up in verse 6, this to me is the thesis of the entire letter. This is why Paul writes, this is the message to which he wants the church to understand. Just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. And that's it. This is why Paul writes, This is what has pulled Paul out of bed this particular day. This is what motivated him to take pen to paper. This is why the imprisoned Paul writes to a church he's never met face to face, a church he's never visited. People, most of, he doesn't know from one person or the other, but he wants this church to understand this, to do this, to be this kind of church. A church that lives their lives in Him. And in verse 7 it gets very practical on us. How do you continue to live your life in him? Paul says, well, you're rooted and built up in him. Strengthen the faith as you were taught and you begin to overflow with thanksgiving. Verse 8, see to it then Paul says, no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition in the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. If you've been a part of this message series, we looked at these verses specifically several weeks ago, but here's the heart of why Paul writes... First, Paul wants the church to understand that I want you to be, the apostle says, to be people who continue to live their lives in Christ Jesus. How do you do that? Well, first, you grow down. You root yourself in Christ and Christ alone, and the up will take care of itself. Why, Paul? Why must we do that? Because you will be taken captive by deceptive and hollow human philosophies. Paul is worried about this church. And he doesn't have a lot of reasons to be worried because at the beginning of this letter, if you go back in Colossians chapter 1, Paul commends them for their faith. He tells them that you have a reputation of being a church that does good things and loving things. People know who you are and you're a part of a gospel movement in the region. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1, but why is he worried? He's worried because while they are living their lives in Him, he's worried that they won't continue to live their lives in Him. So I want us to understand and start here this morning. Growing down is under attack. Paul knows this, and we need to recognize this. The way of Christ is nowhere near acceptable in our world today. And we can't take the path of Jesus Christ and mold it and merge it into a 21st century American lifestyle. We are told today that you need other things on top of Christ. You were told that you need that book, you need that author, you need that speaker, you need that podcast, you need that political party so you can have your Christian rights, whatever that is. You need all of this on top of your belief in Jesus Christ. And all of it, Paul would say, is hollow and it is deceptive and it is dangerous to you continuing to live your life in Christ Jesus. we have to understand that the idea of being a person who roots themselves in Christ alone, this idea of growing down, is different, and it is weird to the world. Because we live in a world that wants us to go up. This is what I call the up sickness. We are people who think we have to move up, grow up, build up. People that have to have more and gather, and we're supposed to do all these things that Paul would say in these verses are elemental spiritual forces of this world, not Christ. The way of Jesus Christ is down, not up. This is why in the verses after Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 10, Paul talks about baptism. Because in the world, we are supposed to move up, build up, grow up, and in Christ, we are supposed to die supposed to go down into the grave death to this world so that life can occur Paul continues in verse 9 of Colossians chapter 2 He wants us to live in him rooted in him because we will be taken captive by deceptive human tradition he says verse 9 for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, meaning that all of God has come in Jesus Christ. Matthew would say, Emmanuel, God with us. And in Christ, Paul says, you have been brought to fullness. He, that is Christ, is the head over every power and authority. So Paul wants these people, he wants the church to live their lives in Him, rooted down in Him, because if we don't root ourselves first, we will be taken captive by human ways, by worldly ways. And we do this all because we have been saved by the One who came to be with us. The God, the Creator of all things is with us. Now I love this last, uh, that last part of verse 9. Right, I'm sorry, sorry, it's the first part of verse 10. It says, Christ, in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Now that is a full word that I don't have time to break down fully, but it is a good word. Because there is depth in that word, which quite literally means that you have been brought to completion. You have been filled to the brim in Jesus Christ. You are. On the verge of overflowing, there is no more room for anything else in the bowl. This is complete and full. And Paul is bringing this idea to the church. That if you're going to continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and growing down in Him, so that you are not taken captive by the world that is around us, you must understand this. It's Jesus first, Jesus last, and Jesus throughout. He completes you Nothing else. No one else. Jesus. He's the one that has brought you up from the depths of the grave. It is Christ that has filled you to the brim. And so this little church has a little problem. This church thinks they have to look and act and function a certain way. They think that they have to fit in to reveal Christ. And Paul says, no. You don't go up, you go down. You don't build up, you don't grow up, you don't move up. You actually dig down and you die to the ways of this world so that the One who has come with us, the One who has filled all deity, Paul says will fill you to the brim. Um, we are about to enter, the, in fact, I guess we've already entered the season of gifts. You know, any store you go into, there's already the music playing, all the Christmas decorations are out, all the kids are tar- already starting to talk about what they want, and all these things, are, are, all these gifts that we begin to talk about. You think about all the things and all the energy and all the time that we're going to spend on talking about, buying and giving These possessions. Not one of them will complete you. I've been giving some very special gifts over my life. One of them is, uh, is as a child, uh, the first Texas Ranger Stadium, Arlington Stadium. My grandparents gave me a seat from old Arlington Stadium. Still have it. Treasure it. It is so precious to me because I can remember the feelings of that Christmas Eve when my grandparents gave it to me. And I think of them, and it it means the world to me. It is a precious gift, but it means absolutely nothing in the scheme of Christ. It doesn't complete me. It doesn't make me who I am. And all these things we think we have to fill ourselves with don't add a thing. They don't bring us to completion. They don't fill us to the brim. They don't bring us a complete uh, uh, as complete people. There's nothing that will make you more in Christ than Jesus Christ. Now, if you can't tell, I'm harping on this a lot because this is incredibly important for us to take away. You can't have anything else. There is nothing else that will make you great. There is no ideology. There is no political party. There is no gift that will complete you. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. This is why Paul writes this letter. I want to skip a few verses. Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. Paul wants him, wants his church to to live, continue to live their lives in him, rooted down in him. Because this Christ has changed who they are. He completes them. So he goes on to say, and since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to this world do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. And so I want to ask the question that Paul asks the church here. Why do you act as if you still belong to this world? If Jesus is everything and he has completed you, then why do we still care about the rules of this place? Um, The simplest and most straightforward visual that I have for the letter of Colossians is this. Paul is reminding them of their wedding vows. I've said this before. That at the altar of a wedding, when man and woman come together, there is a moment, quite literally a moment in the wedding ceremony where lives are changed forever. The pronouncement. And in that moment, husband and wife are not two people, they are one person living in a spiritual life with God and covenant with the Father. And there, husband and wife have to figure out how to live life together for the rest of their lives. And Paul comes in with Colossians, and in chapter 1, Paul, Paul is telling the church that this cosmic creator of all things has changed all the, the universe. He has created the universe. And in chapter 2, this cosmic God who's created all the universe has changed your life. He's died for you. The deity in bodily form is here with us. And Paul is bringing everyone's attention and focus right back to the thing that matters most, Jesus Christ. Remember the altar, he might say. Remember the moment. Remember that you are together now and there's nothing else that matters here except you and Christ. And so why do you still belong to this world, Paul asked. Why do you belong to these, to these rules, to these regulations that mean nothing to Jesus or to the ways of Jesus? Here's the thing that matters most, Paul would say. Christ is your life. That's it. He's your life. And that's what he says in Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. This passage of looking up, gazing up, setting hearts and minds on things above all come from a place of rooted down in him first. Right? We can set our hearts and our minds on things above because Christ is the life to which we have rooted or grown down into. He's the one that we said, I do to in our baptism. He is the one who has changed us. He, is, he has filled us. So once again, Colossians 3, verses 1-4, through 4, worth hearing again. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God, when Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Two things I want you to take away from this this morning. First, probability can be defeated by possibility. Probability can be defeated by possibility only when Jesus has filled you. He completes you. And you're thinking, well, that's nice, and that's a real great preacher thing to say, but my life seems pretty set. There is certain things that are bringing up, and I can pretty much predict how things are going to go. Some of you in here are thinking, well, I have a health diagnosis, I have a health condition, I have all these health matters, I have all these things going on that are pretty much going to set out how probably things will go for the rest of my life. And you need to know this. Christ is your life. Others in here are still grieving the loss of a family, friend, loved one. Anniversaries, holidays pop up and it hurts deep into your soul. Places you didn't even know exist and you're thinking, That'll never go away. That can't be changed. That is probably always going to be a part of my life. You need to know. Christ is your life. Some of you are battling addiction. You fight it every day. Every day you want something. You want to do something. Every day there is something in your life that pulls and tugs and tries to bring you down. And you think, that will be the rest of my life. That is probably how things are going to go. And you need to know something. Christ is your life. Christ turns everything upside down. He turns things, He turns tables over, and He says to us that what has to be does not have to be. Your past does not have to haunt you any longer. Why? Because I am your life, He says. And He's all that matters. That what is here and now is not that we have our own way or our own rights or our own, our, 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 our own imagination. We have is the God who has redefined or reimagined us. And that's the second thing. Life can be reimagined from the roots. You see, the, the tree or the plant's going to be taken care of once the roots are established. Trees don't grow until roots have grown and to establish till they have found soil and a water source. And roots serve to anchor the plant or tree. And roots provide the soil and the nutrients needed for the plant or tree to grow. Roots grow from resources that are available. They grow down or out so that the tree and the branches and the leaves and the fruit can grow. And without the roots, nothing grows. And you think, well, my life probably is going to be this. Then your, then your roots aren't down in the One who has filled you, died for you, given all in your name. You ever uh, played a game with a child, um, where a child is said, "Okay, you're the bad guy" or something like that, or you're the you're this superhero, this, or hey, let's go let's go let's go play baseball in the backyard. It's often my question I have for my son. And when you play a game with him, you ever played a game with a child, and all of a sudden you can tell they're not in the backyard anymore. They're not in the living room. They have been transported to the ballpark in Arlington, they have been transported to Gotham or wherever it else, and in their mind, they are in this place. Then In a child's imagination, they can be transported like that. What is around them is no longer, and life is different for those few moments of playing time. And I think in a lot of ways, we have to start reimagining what life is like in Christ and stop depending on the elemental spiritual forces of this world. They are hollow and they are deceptive. And this place will not answer what we long to know. Only Christ will. So maybe we need to reimagine. Reimagine from the roots where Jesus fills us to the brim. I'm going to make myself available in the back of this cafeteria during the singing of this song. You can find me if there's anything that this church can do for you, pray for, or anything of that nature. We're going to stand and sing. Luke will lead us in this last song. But I want to invite you to be where you are and to ask yourself, where are you rooted? What does life look like in Christ in your life? Let's stand together and let's sing.